1: Jim Nance, as always, great introduction, appreciate it. And we got Jim Nance on from CBS Sports. He's on the pod this week. NFL season getting started. So many storylines. We get into Tom Brady. We get into some of the big names when you think about the NFL and what's expected. Of course, Tony Romo. We got to dive into dynamics of that, too. Here's a funny thing. Jim Nance and I, we go back to 2008. Here's a short story. Candlestick Park, the old 49er stadium. I was a runner, basically a glorified production assistant at that event yeah it was a Niners I think it was a Niners Jets game I want to say it was against the old Brett Favre remember when Brett Favre was on the Jets briefly it was crazy anyway so I'm at the game and I'm working and I'm basically bring, like bringing coffee to Jim Nance little things like that right so I'm like a uh, just a helper basically and I remember asking him about fantasy sports saying hey do you have a fantasy basketball team do you like fantasy football and I remember him saying no that's not my thing at all you know, something like i'm not looking for a cast of characters what are you talking about that's not my thing anyway we, we did have a great exchange though about other topics about getting out of your comfort zone his book had come out around that time always by my side um so there was a lot of great stuff but it's funny that he said that about uh fantasy sports because you'll hear in this podcast. How much he loves fantasy football. He plays in a league with Tony Romo. We will let Jim Nance explain more of this. But he's come full circle 13 years later since I've known him. He's in three different leagues apparently. This is crazy. This is Jim Nance though. He's relatable, right? We we all love uh, hearing his voice. But listen, this guy plays fantasy sports as well. So very cool stuff. Uh, We'll let him finish and tell you the stories about that. We also have Encore Golf. I want to talk to you about Barrow X1 Golf Ball, their newest tour ball Delivers unprecedented combination of distance, accuracy, control, and feel. I love the feel around the greens with this golf ball. Uh you can go and use my promo code B, the letter B, B Clubhouse is the promo code, and you'll get 10% off when you order online at EncoreGolf.com. Let's get to it. Jim Nance on Beyond the Clubhouse. Very happy to be joined by my next guest. Of course, CBS Sports' Jim Nance. You hear him on the lead play-by-play for NFL as we're getting ready for NFL season here. Uh, PGA Tour, of course, the Masters, PGA Championship, all those big events. And then NCAA basketball tournament for so many years, March Madness as well. Jim, what's going on today? How are you?
0: Well, hey, when you talk about all those things that I'm a part of, it's still just a dream for me. It sounds yeah, I'm just, I'm just really grateful I've had a chance to be at all those events. I'm doing really well getting set for the football season. I can't wait to get back in the booth with Romo and Tracy Wolfson down on the field. And uh, it's an
1: exciting time. For sure. I'm going to get into NFL in just a minute, but you talked about being appreciative of your career and kind of still hard to believe even now at age 62 where you've been. Your dad, of course, passed away of Alzheimer's. Uh, Jim Jr. Uh, passed away in, what I think it was 2008, wasn't it? was, Yes. Unfortunately. Now I think about a father son bond and connection, your book, of course, always by my side. And I think about now your son, Jameson. And what are some of the things I know your dad didn't get to be there for all of the real big moments in your career, Jim. So what are some of the things that you're looking forward to with Jameson? I know he was at the Masters in 2021. But just give us an idea of how giddy you are to show the world to, to Jameson.
0: Great question, because I haven't been asked it. Um, I'm, but I have internalized it. I'm so excited about being able to experience the NFL with him. Now he's been in the booth once or twice, but this goes back to pre-pandemic, so uh, he was too young. He's five years old now. He's too young to remember sitting in the booth up in Minnesota and watching Josh Allen lead Buffalo to a road win, and what was Josh's first win as a starting quarterback. Uh, he actually, the only time he's been to Augusta that he might remember would have been 2019. He missed 20 and 21 because of the pandemic, but he was there in 19. I took some pictures with him down at Amen Corner, he had us a little master's hat on, uh, but golf will be a big thing to share with him on the broadcasting side and just playing. We're already enjoying it. Just a ton of fun. He's serious about the game, as serious as you can be at, at, at age five, but uh <laughs> He's into it. I'm loving the fact he's into it. And uh, all of this creates a great second half of my career to enjoy with a new lens and perspective through the uh, eyes of my son and my little Finley as well. She's seven.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned another part of your career. Fifth season with Tony Romo, your your sidekick partner there at your side, uh, calling NFL action. What are you really looking forward to about? Obviously, you spend so much time during the season, but w- what is exciting about spending another season now with Romo? Well, this one's going to be uh,
0: special because all of last year, which was a Super Bowl season for us, we were not allowed to be together except for the three hours on Sunday. So. Even though we're still obviously dealing with the Delta variant, uh, things are different. There are going to be fans in the stands. We're going to be able to go out to dinner together as long as uh, it's outdoor seating. So, Tony and I went through 21 weeks, that includes the Super Bowl week, without enjoying and sharing each other's company, not being able to hang out together. Not only that, we had to be in, in the city. 48 hours before we were allowed to leave our room. Those were the protocols on the CBS side of it. So I would come in to town on a Thursday, take the test. And then uh, I would spend the rest of Thursday, all day Friday and most of Saturday without leaving the room. Same for Tony. And then uh, on Sunday I was transported separately to the game as was Tony. And then lo and behold, it would come time for the one o'clock or four thirty kick and, we were side by side but we missed a lot of that time that nuance that you have as a broadcast unit the chemistry the camaraderie that comes out on the air so much of it is developed away from the broadcast booth it's it's just shared story time over dinner or breakfast or lunch and uh, i'm just excited to be able to reintroduce myself to to the team and uh, all of us Be able to go back on the journey together as a close knit family that we are.
1: For sure. Well, you talk about off the, off the, The set, if you will, when you bond with with Tony Romo or with your partners there in in broadcasting, I think about fantasy football. You guys are part of a league. Let me get this right. The fantasy football for the FedEx Cup League. And you got guys are going up against like Justin Thomas as well. But you and Tony Romo together going up against Phil Mickelson, other guys, uh, Brant Snedeker, who's apparently with one of your CBS uh, directors as well. So there's a hodgepodge of people. Give us, our audience here, an idea of the trash talk and just the mentality you guys have. <laughs> it is the all-time trash-talking
0: league, which is what makes fantasy football fun. You, you can't take it seriously. So much of it is luck. But JT, by the way, is going to be a rookie in the league. He's going to be paired with Seller Shire, our, our golf producer. Uh, we have the likes of uh, Ian Baker Finch is on a team. Uh, Frank Nabilo is on a team. Mickelson and his brother-in-law, Law Eric are, are a very big force. They won the league a few years ago. And last year, they had it won. They were in the championship game. We got knocked out. Tony and I got knocked out in the semifinals. They were in the championship game against uh, Andy Friedman, Corey Fishman, and Graham McDowell. There you go. Yeah, and there was only one player still outstanding going into Monday night. Mickelson had a... 30 let's call it a 37-point lead. He had already had Alvin Kamara put up six touchdowns on a Saturday game, so he was well-positioned. So the only way he could lose is if Josh Allen had some epic performance, and he did. As a matter of fact, with the game well out of hand and Buffalo secured with a win, he went in and asked the coach if he could play one more series just to stay sharp, and he did. He drove him down the field, and he threw a touchdown pass that touchdown pass, the last play that he made in that game before they took him out, gave the Friedman Fishman McDowell team a one-point win, breaking the heart of Phil Mickelson. And I'm gonna tell you, I think it was hard for Phil to accept that one, that one crushed him pretty good. Because he was, he knew he had this in the bank and he was just crushing everybody for about 24 hours.
1: Tougher and than Pinehurst in 99 or maybe a the, Bethpage Page Black in 09.
0: This was worse. This was definitely worse. I think if you asked him, it might be he might own up to it. Uh, but he's a really good player in this league. He takes it like you might expect. He knows his stuff. He knows his football. He knows his data. And uh, they are a definite force to reckon with.
1: So give us an idea. It's a keeper league, right? And you guys kept what Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs. So you like your receivers, both you and and Romo, right? Um, What are the drafts like? What are some of the other aspects of this like?
0: Well, that draft will take place uh, just two (laughs) nights before the, the season gets underway officially, and uh, unfortunately, it's usually done in person, um, but uh, this year it'll be done by Zoom. We used to do it during the Northern Trust on Friday or Saturday night, and everybody, I mean everybody, shows up for this thing. When uh, <laughs> when Phil won the uh, Claret Jug in 2013, uh, we that was a year that the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs began at Liberty National, and Phil was staying – at a different hotel in Jersey city. And he walked down the sidewalks of Jersey city, carrying the Claret jug to the fantasy draft. Mm. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) we all drank from the uh, Claret jug. And then we got serious down to business and started making our picks, but he's a great sport about it. He's a fun guy to be around. And as it's, as it's well-known in golf circles, Phil Phil has uh, the, the great gift of being able to needle you pretty hard. So when you when you take that over to something that's not life or death and it's just fantasy football, but you try to you try to mark it up a little bit, make it serious. It It's he's prolific. He's the all timer when it comes to trash talk.
1: Yeah, I've had his brother, Tim Mickelson, of course, you know, his caddy on a few times on my podcast. and And literally he's had to endure. Imagine this, a lifetime of this needling <laughs> from Phil. Tough stuff.
0: I can't imagine what that's like, but. You know what? Phil's a great guy. His win this year at Kiowa was such a thrill to try to document. Uh, There were so many good stories in the game of golf this year, but there's nothing that's going to, in my mind, surpass what what Phil did at at Kiowa to set the age record and to get that sixth major championship. It uh, It was storybook.
1: You're absolutely right about Phil. There's so much momentum from this year. And I think now as we're seeing uh, news coming out that he's going to be assistant captain for the Ryder cup team, which is great. Fred couples, your buddy as well. That was actually accidentally told by Patrick Cantlay when he won on Sunday, which is awesome. Right? So now we're seeing this Ryder cup team come together. Half of the team is there uh, assistant captains. What are you expecting here? You know, what are your, as a fan of golf, what are you really hoping to see with the Ryder cup? Uh,
0: I just, yeah, this can probably not sound very patriotic, but uh, I mean, I'm as true blue and red, white, and blue as any American to find. But when it comes to the Ryder Cup, I know so many guys so well on the European side that I don't find myself getting all that parochial about it and feeling like, you know, the USA has to win it. Now, I know for those competing in it, it's everything to win that cup. But I know that the... Europeans are good guys, they're families, I know them all. So uh, I don't wish anybody ill will. That's a, that's a Switzerland sugar-coated answer, but um, it, it's true. But I do think this, the American team stacks up, in my mind, as one of the great teams in a long, long time. Um, I, I, the American side is loaded, but it's been that way before. That doesn't necessarily translate to winning the Ryder Cup. I can't wait to watch it. I got to tell you, I'm going up to see it. And I've only been at one of the Ryder Cup. Wow. Uh, and that was very briefly. That was in 08 at Valhalla. That was Faldo and Azinger as the as the captains. So I, I will be there on that Friday. Whistling Straits is a special place for me. I've called three PGA championships on site there. And now um, I get to have the role as uh, as a spectator. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: What will be your game plan? I mean, like it's, it's tough to watch obviously because there's only so many matches that go on, but, but for you as a lifelong golf fan, how are you going to take this on?
0: I'm still developing the plan. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to find out uh, a few places that are great, uh, you know, viewing areas perhaps from some hospitality tents or some PGA of America booths. I've got a great relationship, obviously with the PGA of America through calling their PGA championship all these years since 91. So I'll call on some folks to make sure that maybe I can leapfrog a little bit around the golf course and watch uh, the groups come through and then skip ahead and catch up with them again. That's the strategy. I have to be in Kansas city that night for, uh, for meetings getting into the weekend for a chiefs chargers game, but uh, I will be spending uh, pretty much the full day at whistling Straits on that Friday.
1: Man, you, you your life is loaded with different things. Ryder Cup during the day, meetings in Kansas City by night. I mean, it is. does it ever get boring, Jim?
0: No, that week I was thinking <laughs> about it. Some weeks are a little bit more uh, exhausting or exhilarating, all of the above. But uh, that week I've got uh, an event on on Tuesday, the 21st at Caves Valley. Dennis Attish here, the longtime pro, is retiring. Yeah. And um, Chairman Fred Ridley is going to be on site for an event. And um, my friends from Titleist are doing something special. So I'm going to be there to MC that event on, on the 21st. And then the 24th, I will figure out a way to in, enjoy Whisley Straits on the Kansas City and do the game, uh, on Sunday. And then Sunday night, I've got to be in LA to host the fog term friends of golf is what it stands for. Um, usually at Bel Air, but this year it's going to be over at Riviera because the clubhouse is being built at Bel Air. Uh, but it's a great fundraiser. And I'll be there for all day festivities on that Monday. So a little bit in Baltimore, a little bit in Wisconsin, a little bit in Kansas city, a little bit in LA and all that's in a span of about six days. So, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, We've got a full schedule.
1: Yeah. Dennis Adisher, great guy. Had him on the pod uh, last week. Just one of the great guys there at Caves Valley. And as you mentioned, Caves Valley gets me thinking about what just happened there. Of course, a big win for Cantlay, but also for Bryson. Very close. And then obviously a lot of fans kind of uh, were loud and vocal. Have you ever seen anything like that? And covering golf for as long as you have, 30-plus years, um, have you ever seen a player have to go through something like that? Or is that anything to compare it to?
0: I No, I've never seen anything at the level that we've seen this summer. Now I saw it in Memphis. I actually didn't know the full extent of it as I was sitting in a tower with Nick at 18 as Bryson and Harris were having uh, major difficulties getting, uh, getting back to the clubhouse for the second nine. It wasn't until afterwards that I understood the uh, severity of the taunting or whatever you want to call it, the bullying going on from the gallery. But, uh, I actually, full disclosure, after a, a very uh, enjoyable stretch of golf and finishing up a week ago Monday at the Northern Trust, I did not watch the golf live over the weekend. I had a family obligation, which I don't get many Sundays at home with my wife and kids, so I didn't get a chance to see it. But uh, I, sh- I sure read and went back and looked at the highlights to see uh, what was yet another compelling story. You know, the, the, the PGA Tour is on a roll. I mean – there's no way you can slice it here and just this summer to go from an eight hole playoff with, with, uh, the travelers championship with Harris winning and then a three man playoff in Memphis with Abraham winning. And then, um, a six man playoff, uh, at, at Greensboro in the Wyndham and, and, and then to finish up on a Monday after hurricane, uh, Uh, Andre came through the New York area and see Tony Finau win, which I was really happy to see Tony get another victory. Uh, It's just been amazing to back it up then with six holes between Patrick and Bryson. PGA Tour is is, uh, putting out some incredible, compelling, riveting competition these days.
1: Definitely. Yeah, no, it's been exciting. Um, You know what? And I'm going to jump over to another sport. We're going to get to listener questions as we wrap up here in just a minute. But I want to get to Tom Brady. You've known him for so long. You spent time on the golf course with him, with presidents, with many other people. Uh, What do you expect from him this season as a player? I know coming off another Super Bowl.
0: Well, Tom never takes a day off, never misses a rep. Uh, Mentally, he never lets his guard down. He's got his entire team coming back. He's had a whole year to work with him. He's already produced a championship. So uh, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, you got to start right there as the team to beat going into this season. And age, the old cliche, is just a number. He's proving that. If you put in the effort, work, diet, exercise, and mentally you're as strong as he is and as competitive with a will to win that – could only be compared to maybe Tiger. Those two guys, no one you could say is bigger or, or or has more uh, mental strength than those two package all that together. You know, you got a special, special generational talent here. Uh, Maybe uh, not, maybe generational is just limiting him too much. I mean, we're talking about all time, all time here. So I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see Brady and the Bucks again and, we have Tommy on our schedule three times as of right now, which is pretty good for a network that's the AFC network. We have three Tampa Bay appearances, all of them in Tampa, Miami at Tampa, Chicago at Tampa, and Josh Allen and Buffalo at, at Tampa. So um, we'll get a good look at them, and they're going to be right in the thick of it. There's no question.
1: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Knowing what you know about Roma, though, uh, what, what's a favorite memory on the golf course with him?
0: You know, when Tony plays, there's a different persona. The guy that you're hanging with for 72 hours on a football weekend, going through the preparation, the dinners, the actual execution of the game, it's, I mean, it is just nothing but a bunch of laughs and a lot of fun. You get on the golf course, he's pretty serious. I'm not saying he's overly serious. I'm just saying it's not as giddy as you might think. (laughs) He is so into the analytics of the swing and the every single move uh, that, that you make. I mean, he could be an instructor. He's absorbed so much information I, I, akin to uh, the way that he would study film preparing for a game. He could tell you, it, it, I mean, he's just been exposed to so much information about the takeaway, the top of the swing, tempo, transition, weight shift, everything. Um, we, we played through the years uh, a lot of golf together. Uh, my favorite one, I don't think I've ever told this publicly, but a few years ago we had uh, during the summer an occasion to go out to LA together and we played at Bel Air and we played against Al Michaels and Jack Wagner. Now, Al and I play full disclosure. I play more golf in the year with Al than I do any other single individual. Not that I played a ton of golf, but if I added up at the end of the year, I played 15 rounds, probably five or six of them are going to be with Al. And there's no one that's going to be close to having been uh, five or six times in the same group with me. Um, And I love playing with Al. But Jack Wagner's a very serious golfer, too. He's won the club championship at Bel Air, like, many, many times over.
1: And won Uh, at Edgewood in the past, too, The celebrity event at Edgewood Town.
0: He's a huge talent.
1: Anyway, uh,
0: best I can recall, now Al may call me up and say, he doesn't remember it that way, but... (laughs) The uh, the Romo and Nance team, let's face it, Romo did the great great majority of the heavy lifting. We defeated the uh, Wagner Michaels team uh, either two and one or one up, but it was a great victory. And uh, yeah, we celebrated. It was fun.
1: I'm mm. gonna get into the listener questions real quick. Mike Rockenstein on Twitter said, "What has been your toughest broadcast, Jim? Content wise or emotionally?"
0: Emotionally, the hardest one for me was getting through the 92 masters when Freddie won just because that was the dream come true. Two kids that went to school together, lived in the same dorm suite, both had career aspirations that would land at Augusta. We hoped he wanted to win it. I wanted to broadcast it and to be on site, to be one of the commentators for CBS and Frank Tricinian and be on the crew with Summerall and Ben and that whole crew, Ben Wright of yesteryear. Uh, but more than that, it was just being able to try to get the words out. I had a hard time battling the anxiety and the emotion, just the raw emotion of seeing someone you care about, someone you love, um, achieve a, a lifelong goal. So that's, that was the hardest one to get through, uh, I would say by a, by a ton. And I have to say, though, Garrett, it also it, it, it strengthened me because after I found that I could get through that broadcast and holding it together. Uh, I had that experience in the bank. It toughened me up to have future occasions when there might be a difficult story to tell or um, there's something else emotional that's happened around the game. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, uh, that, that, that was a pivotal watershed moment in my career because it was the biggest high. It was the hardest show and it was the most joyous, glorious
1: show for me of my career to see Freddie win. For sure. I mean, it's got to be with the emotion there. Uh, Chuck Adams on Facebook said, your favorite Freddie college story. Take us back to University of Houston, you know, as roommates and, and uh, you know, what really sticks out? What's one maybe we haven't heard? Oh, well, I think that, you know,
0: Fr- Freddie was a unique guy uh, in school, too, Uh we, we played our first round of golf uh, as incoming freshmen August the 29th, 1977. That's a long time ago. Okay. And Before I, I was born. Him. Yeah, yeah by buy a lot. Um, the first time I saw him hit a shot, the coach took us out that day to a place called Sugar Creek. And uh, I got paired with Freddie Blaine and John Horn. And when I saw Fred hit the tee shot off the first hole there, I, I didn't believe my eyes. What, what was that? It looked like he was swinging in slow motion and the ball came off the face of the driver, like it had been shot out of a cannon. And it was, it just blew my mind. I knew with one swing by Fred that I was never going to be able to do that. I was never going to beat him. In fact, I was never going to come close to beating him, but it was awesome to watch. You know, he would show up at campus and he never unpacked his luggage. Well, he came with one piece of luggage came with one oversized suitcase And he propped it up on the desk. We each in our rooms got a little twin bed and a desk and on his desk set atop it the uh, oversized suitcase, which, you know, naturally most of us would take the clothes out and put them in the drawers and hang the clothes in the closet. Uh, Fred never, never unpacked Uh, when the clothes needed to be washed in the dorm. There was a washer dryer uh, assembly down in in the basement. He'd go down, do his laundry fold it and put it back in the luggage. I think part of it mentally maybe was he felt like he was like this close to always being able to take off for the PGA tour and future stardom. But yeah, he never, he never kind of settled in, just had his own unique way of doing that. And uh, he was a great guy to, to, to hang around. We were good kids who honestly, there was no hijinks There no stories there that don't reflect or that would reflect poorly on anybody. We weren't doing anything we weren't supposed to do. We were goal-minded individuals. We all knew what we wanted to do. They wanted to. My roomies wanted to plan the PGA Tour, and they all made it. Blaine, McAllister, John Horn, Freddie. I wanted to work for CBS from the moment I turned 11. When I showed up the school, that dream was already seven years in the making. Um, and anyway they all we all fed off of one another we made each other believe that those goals were attainable and plausible it wasn't crazy to think that you're going to one day win the masters or you're going to be one there one day you're going to be there to broadcast it we believed in one another which is refreshing particularly now because there's so much doubt cast about others through social media and other means where everybody wants to be snarky and everybody's got a hot take and they want to belittle you and I'm not talking strangers or trolls. I'm just talking about kind of the common language and interaction of today is more through a lens of sarcasm and second guessing. We didn't have that. We believed in one another. We never ridiculed. We built each other up. And I hope someday that, that, that way of just interaction with people returns because negativity resides in. The other option, the option we see mo- too much of today. Positivity breeds great things. I wouldn't be where I am today if my, if my buddies in college didn't believe in me. And I'd like to think that they had some definite positive uh, influence on them, too, that helped them attain the great things that they've achieved in each of their lives, too.
1: For sure. And you know what yeah, and your dad, Jim, was always the same way, always really believed in others when he would, you know, as you mentioned, in different interaction, which is just a great tradition he's passed on to you. So you do a great job of that as well, Jim. Always a pleasure having you on the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
0: Garrett, you know, you don't have a bigger fan in the world than the one that's uh, looking at you right now. So keep doing what you're doing. The thing that I can say that you have, you're like a throwback guy. You would have been a great guy on our Houston golf team. You would have fit right in. Because you, uh, you definitely emit positive vibes, and you have integrity. Integrity will take you a long way, and you have it, my friend. I've known it for a long time. Thanks for having me on.
1: Love the college roommate stories there, Jim Nance and Freddie couples. They go way back, of course, to the 70s. I think they graduated in 1981. From the University of Houston. Um, so many cool stories. So it was great to hear that. Here's a funny thing about Nance. I've asked him in the past about Freddie Couples. And he said, Freddie is a guy that everybody wants to be just like him, right? <laughs> and every girl wants to be with him. And it's funny how he perceives Freddie. Freddie. But look at us. We're all sports fans, too. So so the irony in him saying that about Freddie is that so many of us sports fans would love to be in Jim Nance's shoes, right? So it's it's a funny dichotomy there, too, as well. So he's got quite a life that he's built for himself uh, through a lot of hard work over the years with CBS Sports, getting there every Masters since 1986. Pretty amazing stuff. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll have all kinds of stuff on social media. I'll hopefully get a couple videos up here pretty soon on the Beyond the Clubhouse handle and Garrett Johnston. hope you guys had as much fun as I did visiting with Jim Nance, and we'll catch up again soon.